I'm Amberly, and I'm here to bring healing back to the basics. Let's cut the crap. This is my podcast. I'm the OG basic witch and doctor of metaphysics, so I will definitely weird you out. That, I can guarantee. You will hear things on here you've never heard before, and this is your chance to ask me anything. So take a breath and guard your loins. This is Ask Amberly. Okay, do another high. Hello. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. I f- Ooh, and the train is coming. That's okay. Perfect timing. Okay, so welcome to Ask Amberly, I think is what I'm going to call it. Well, I don't think you should call it Ask Susan or Ask Thomas. It could be Ask Melissa for this episode. It could be. I like Ask Amber Lee because it's the acronym is AA, and there's so much Ooh. resonance with AA. AA. Yeah. Ooh. Ask Amber um, Lee. Yeah. And if you don't like the answer, ask yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's better. Okay. So welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. We're both in San Diego, California right now, where Melissa lives. And I love that you live here because the energy around here is so unique. There's so much power behind, like the Pacific Ocean right back there is just so incredibly powerful. And I was just standing down there last night, just the feeling state of what that ocean represents and, and just, I mean, I just loved it so much. It was at the sunset time and it was just magical. It was awesome. I can't believe you live here. Well, one of the reasons I do live here is because yeah. of the power <laughs> of that ocean and, and the sunsets. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's just something to be said about mm-hmm. being able to look out at that vast expansiveness yeah. of the ocean mm-hmm. and it really kind of it, it really serves as a as an important mirror for the vast expansiveness of our right. own potential but i don't really look at it that way i just kind of yeah. get excited about the surf and mm-hmm. uh, and and looking at the ocean and and i'm i'm sort of a sort of a mermaid so i need to be near the water Ooh. and um and to me coming home to san diego is always just the greatest place to be yeah for sure you have traveled around so much recently so how was that for you, just traveling? I, I'm sure you just gathered so much information and that probably also just shifted you out of some patterns that you had holding you in your home life. I feel like traveling would just shift that right out of you. Well, I've, um, I've been traveling really pretty extensively for mm-hmm. almost my entire adult career life, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's as a, uh, an inspirational leader and a teacher teaching seminars around the world mm-hmm. or in my prior life in the pharmaceutical industry. I always yeah. traveled then. <laughs> uh, but I just completed a six-month round-the-world seminar book tour uh, mm-hmm. where I literally went all the way around the world for six months and did not come home. And it was, it was life-changing. Uh, yeah. One of the things that, that happens you know, wherever you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. So, um, whether you're whether you're traveling with a suitcase or you you're at home, um, your baggage is with you. And so, what I learned during the trip is that um, you really you really come into resonance with your with your resilience, with your own perceived limitations, mm-hmm. with your fears. Oh, and yeah. and then what ends up happening is that many of your fears fall away because they're just sort of habits. And mm-hmm. when you're not in your in your habitat of um, familiarity, um, mm-hmm. the things that really aren't 
um, resonating with who you are, they kind of naturally fall away. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is you expect the fears to be there and yeah. you go looking for mm -hmm. them and they're not there. And it's like, well, wait, where's my, where's my frenemy? Yeah. Like I was so used <laughs> to that, that experience being there. And so, yeah. so the trip itself was very um, transforming in that mm -hmm. many of my own fears and my own kind of rigid ways of navigating in the world mm -hmm. fell away. And, um, and it was the best experience I've ever had. And so I would say anyone, if possible, mm -hmm. um, take a trip by yourself. Um, yeah. Whether it's a you know a trip to a restaurant to have dinner by yourself, or mm -hmm. you know a trip to a destination that you've been desiring to go to, um, mm -hmm. traveling solo can be one of the greatest ways to really transcend your perceived limitations and step into more of who you are. Yeah, I would totally agree with that because I feel like before leaving my hometown coming here I was so rigid just stuck in my mental patterns about how I think this whole thing should be and and then one thing after another after another started happening on my trip to throw me for a loop and like I accidentally canceled my flight on the way here there were just so many things that started happening that I was like okay I need to surrender I need to let go and just go with the flow and as soon as i started doing that it's like i became more creative more insights started coming to me about things i need to change in business things that i want to change in my life even when i come back home i want to just redecorate my house and just like a bunch of different things started coming to me like ooh, i want to i want this feeling i want that feeling and it just feels so different now like my whole being feels different now from before I left on Wednesday of last week and, and today's Monday of the next week. That's phenomenal. So it's interesting because one of the things that uh, that tends to occur when we when we make a, a change in our lives is mm -hmm. that we think we need to dial in everything and get everything all lined up and meticulously plan our circumstances yep. out in order for things to go the way that we want them to. Mm -hmm. And one of the clear takeaways that I that I derived from my trip was uh, to leave room for the magic, mm -hmm. to leave yeah. enough space of uncertainty mm -hmm. so that the unexpected could occur. And so yeah. that was a little hard for my brain because I was, you know, planning the trip and, you know, had all my continents organized and my dates for my events and everything. And I'm like, no, 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 I need to plan this whole thing out. Well, yeah. what I learned retrospectively is mm -hmm. that it was those spaces that weren't planned where mm -hmm. the most incredible things happened and yeah. kind of redirected me such that the things that I did plan no longer fit into mm -hmm. the plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's that whole going with the flow where we sometimes get tripped up with sort of the cliche of going with the flow mm -hmm. is we we say we're gonna go with the flow but we don't actually get into the flow we're sort of watching the flow mm -hmm. and then we don't plan at all yeah and then we wonder why we flow into this sort of uh, current that yeah. doesn't match anything like what we envisioned yeah so I think it's a balance between being flexible and spontaneous and planning mm -hmm. but still leaving room for the magic yeah that that's perfectly said seriously that I can't even like comment on that well you <laughs> could just you so just perfect. did you said it was perfect well I mean but I can say it because that was truly my experience yeah. like when I look back and I look at some of the most incredible experiences that occurred for me you know mm -hmm. personally professionally it was this in the in the areas that weren't planned mm. 
but I needed the planning. There was a certain amount of structure in the planning that allowed for that freedom yes. in the non-plans. Yeah. And so it's going with the flow means having certain ideas, but then it's kind of like your GPS. Like you'll mm -hmm. program your GPS. You want to get from say Louisiana to California if mm -hmm. you were driving. Well, there's a gazillion different ways that your GPS could navigate you from yeah. point A to point B. Mm -hmm. It's being able to be flexible in the, in the different mm -hmm. navigations. And if it redirects you to drive through a swamp, well, you never know. <laughs> there might be like a super cool frog there that you need to meet. <laughs> Exactly. No, that's a, that is so true. Yeah, because even even checking into here, I had to. Um, I got into my room and it was like filled with mosquitoes for oh, for lovely. some reason. Yeah, and I was like, hmm. After about the eighth one that I killed, I was like, I can't sleep in this. I never like make complaints um but i did i was like before i left for the trip i would have just stayed because that's room. going with the flow right yeah until you get stayed. bit and need you know yeah. to call the red cross because you exactly. need a blood transfusion <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i decided i was like you know what no i'm gonna stand up for myself i'm gonna go and so i did and got an upgrade and so i was like you know what it pays to complain now, <laughs> um, but it does. But were you really complaining or were you just saying, this no. is not acceptable for me based on the yes. terms and conditions that I signed up for? Correct. And that's what, you know, yeah. in life we, we, we are so willing to accept conditions and circumstances mm -hmm. that don't match what we sign up for. And then we're like, well, we don't want to raise a fuss or we just want to fit in and conform mm -hmm. or, or, but I love this person. Right. And yeah. then all of a sudden we find ourselves, you know, getting bit by mosquitoes Yeah. instead of just <laughs> asking for what you deserve. Yes. Exactly. So I feel like I've been experiencing that a lot. <laughs> so this trip has really helped me to get back into that power. And um, because so many things started going awry that I was like, okay, now I need to dictate where I'm going to go, but also be in the flow during it. You know, I utilized it as a, as a way to say, okay, you know what, this is happening for a reason. I'm going to speak up for myself and it worked out perfectly. So yeah, I, it, it is, it always works out perfectly. I feel like when you do finally stand up for yourself and, and start making changes in your life to reflect how you feel about yourself. I feel like that that affects our decision making so much. The way that we feel about ourselves is going to affect our decision making. Well, absolutely, because the way that we feel about ourselves, then we will project that out into our situations and circumstances, and that'll be mirrored back. Mm -hmm. Similarly, when we're feeling crummy about ourselves, or we're yeah. feeling not good enough, or like we don't deserve better, then what mm -hmm. ends up happening is all our situations and our circumstances will reflect that. Perhaps yeah. our room might have mosquitoes, right? Or yeah. we might get bit by mm -hmm. a situation or a circumstance because we're out of integrity with it. And yeah. so it really, ultimately, there's always gonna be stuff going on. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be mosquitoes in a, in a hotel room. There's yeah. always going to be currents that are steering us in a direction that that might get us pummeled. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a time and a place, I'm a scuba diver, right? And yeah. so the, you know, following the currents, it's important. But mm -hmm. if you are following a current that's gonna take you out to the open sea where you can never actually get back to land, mm -hmm. that's not really a good plan in terms of going with the flow. So yeah. there's a time to cling on to a particular mm -hmm. rock. There's a time to change direction, to see you know, which fish are, are, are swimming according to which currents. That wow. Paying attention to what's happening in your surroundings is mm -hmm. really, really important. 
and and realizing that how you feel about yourself mm-hmm. and we'll have to talk about that a little bit more because you can feel crappy about yourself and yeah. still make some smart choices yeah. um, but being aware okay I'm feeling crappy about myself mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that I need to continue making choices that reflect feeling crappy about myself because making a different mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. could then change the way you feel about yourself yeah like if yeah. we think we have to feel good in order to make changes mm-hmm. then we'll never make changes because we'll just feel bad about not feeling good about the changes yes. we haven't made does that make sense <laughs> yes it does yeah it does. that's so insightful i feel like for for many people to to hear right now and i wanted to talk about how so you used to be in the pharmaceutical industry i did do and not hate me no <laughs> i actually love that side of you i do too because i um, because similarly, I mean, I didn't work for a pharmaceutical company, but I worked for a research company and pharmaceutical companies were, um, flirting with us to try to fund certain research, you know, and, and show certain outcomes that would support their products, that kind of stuff. And so I saw the, the undercurrents of everything in the back, in the background. And I feel like you've had the same experience in, in a way. And then I'm sure things have happened to us. Like you literally got hit by a double-decker bus. I did. <laughs> Can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> so, it's so, funny. so kind of the backstory is that yeah. yes, I was in the pharmaceutical industry for mm-hmm. more than a decade. Um, my yeah. specialty was uh, psychoneuroimmunology, neuro neuroscience. Um, mm-hmm. Brought a lot of the blockbuster antidepressants, antipsychotics to yeah. the market, but also worked in oncology, mm-hmm. immunology, uh, endocrinology. So lots of medical yeah. background, um, yeah. which is great. I think I had mm-hmm. probably more. Um, more medical training than some doctors might actually get in med school because you have to know as much if not more Um, and um, did that for about 10 years but the last few years that I was in the profession I was not 100% in integrity with some of the choices that I was being asked to make in the name of um, yes. of the corporation, and yeah. you know, towing the corporate line, realizing that uh, you know a lot was invested in me, and mm-hmm. I was invested in the profession, and um, it, you know, to to acknowledge that I was not. Um, necessarily my heart wasn't really in it anymore it meant blowing up my whole life and and making huge changes and Mm -hmm. like what was I gonna do you know so I came up with all the reasons why I shouldn't make a change justifying you know too old you can't start over you make a great Mm -hmm. living all your all your colleagues are your best friends like a million reasons that's what we do when we're afraid to make a change and um, you could plug in any any experience into that it's it probably pertains to your viewers and your and your listeners who can come up with reasons justifying Mm -hmm. and I say the reasons why are all a lie yeah and so and if you stay in a situation longer than is Mm -hmm. in integrity with the callings of your heart um, the universe as you Mm -hmm. will develop these situations and circumstances to really jettison you out of that experience so my um, my jettison was a double-decker red bus yeah. <laughs> uh, in London um, my company had rented out the uh, Tower of London oh, which wow. it was the yeah. first time in the history of Parliament that Tower of London was rented to a private enterprise they just threw oh, dollars wow. yeah it was a, um, a Swiss Italian uh, drug company that then was later bought mm-hmm. by a big pharma mm-hmm. but um, 
we rented the tower out in order to present clinical trial results for mm -hmm. the World Congress of Neurology. The details don't really matter, but yeah. they're helpful. So um, I, I knew that the data had been sort of doctored. Mm -hmm. um, I had run one of the clinical trials and um, it wasn't, it had been massaged in such a way that it wasn't deceptive, yeah. but there was a mission of information uh, that mm -hmm. could influence mm -hmm. the way people perceive the efficacy and the safety of the drug. Yeah. And that emission of information went straight into the FDA. Mm -hmm. So I was not congruent with the results that were being presented by, yeah. by my neurologists. And yeah. so I went out to get a, um, a soft drink from a from a um, convenience store across the street and looked the wrong way in London because I'd just flown in the night before. Oh and um, there was a double-decker bus coming and um, pummeled me about you know 30 feet. Oh and um, and s me being as stubborn as <laughs> I was, um, when I came conscious, you know, I had a, pant a really nice pantsuit on and yeah. um, we had holes in the knees, you know, blood coming out. Uh, you know, my hands were all bloody from bracing the fall. And um, I got up, kind of brushed myself off and sort of like sauntered in, you know, seeming like kind of half drunk because I just wasn't mm -hmm. quite in my body yet. Yeah. And, and went back in, helped my, the neurologist present <laughs> the results and then went yeah. to the emergency room. <laughs> so I'm sharing all these, these kind of yeah. ancillary details because that's what, yeah. e even when you get hit by a bus, like yeah. if you're stubborn yeah. and it's not part of your plan, yeah. Um, yeah. you will resist it. And yeah. so turns out the bus was one of the most beautiful experiences that ever, ever occurred for mm -hmm. me because it really was um, it really was a catapult into yeah. questioning, mm -hmm. what do I really want for myself? Am yeah. I really aligned with you know, staying in the pharmaceutical industry or do I want to um, explore a different way mm -hmm. of being and relating in the world? And um, because of the injuries that I incurred in the accident, uh, you know, I had a wonderful, uh, a wonderful naturopath and a wonderful mm -hmm. chiropractor kind of introduced me to holistic medicine, mm -hmm. integrative medicine. And the year that I spent kind of recovering was really a year immersing myself and educating myself into yeah. my body's own innate ability to heal because I was yeah. given a choice that I could go on medication for the rest of my life mm -hmm. um, for some secondary um, conditions that I had been diagnosed with medically that oh, okay. that was per, you know from um, the you know stage three adrenal failure yeah. um, just sheer exhaustion yeah. but that exhaustion was me being exhausted from running from myself and my own truth mm -hmm. and so I chose yeah. to kind of go a, a more integrative approach um, and not take the medicine as a band-aid mm -hmm. but to let my body heal and to give yeah. it time and space to kind of get clear on what it really wanted and yeah. um, that opened me up to this whole other world of of healing that I think was always there for me. I know as a little child, mm -hmm. I used to like, you know, put my hands on people and yeah. and and I would and I would tell them things and they'd say, "How do you how do you know that about me? Like yeah. you're seven years old, you shouldn't know that." And I used to always kind of know things, That's and then cool. I learned to sort of dumb it down. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, you know, my mom would right. be embarrassed yeah. that yeah. you know, and so you had the parental chastising, and then yeah. it just wasn't normal mm -hmm. to you know to yeah. know things beyond what people tell you. Yeah, but it is mm -hmm. normal. Yeah, you know, we yeah. all have this knowing without knowing how we know, and so what that exploration into to healing brought forth for me was how we're all healers. Mm -hmm. We all have this innate intelligence, this intuition. We always know when it's time to make a change and um, maybe we don't understand the science behind it. Maybe we don't understand how we know, but we know. And mm -hmm. so my life has transformed into 
teaching people how to kind of read that language and how to trust your intuition and how to feel empowered to make changes even when um, there's so much uncertainty and so much chaos and even when it looks like at the collective level things are falling apart things are coming together in an entirely new way and and being able to navigate through those challenging terrains is really what my life has been all about teaching people how to do that Mm -hmm. yeah I I feel like the the first time I ever experienced anything with you was just so beyond I mean I wasn't even open to like any of this I for whatever reason I was like okay I need to go see what this is all about and just being in your presence and you working on me it it could feel like woo-woo stuff everyone is going to have a different definition of it and even I totally judged it at first and and you called me out for judging it but in a funny way right because humor is yeah yeah and I needed it I needed you to to do that and I'm sure you you figured that out very quickly because I was so rigid and resistant and um, as soon as you kind of played with me a little bit to get me out of my head, everything started unfolding. And I have seen the benefits since that time, and that was years ago. And those benefits have stuck with me. And that is so incredibly powerful and indicative of how amazing you are as a healer and, and an intuitive. And I think it's just so vital to get what you're doing out to the masses and out to the person who might be sitting at their desk all day and and not necessarily wanting to do an ayahuasca ceremony or take mushrooms or you know and all of those things are wonderful and great and very powerful and healing but i'm not someone who would do that and and there's gotta be a, a bridge between people who may not want to take pharmaceutical medications and then people who are definitely not going to go to the rainforest and have, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony. Which is where the pharmaceutical medications come from, ironically, yes, right? Like actually, most of yeah. them come from the rainforest. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. The like indigenous transit, the traditions. Yeah. Yeah. The active ingredients are the, the herbs and, right. and the, the plants, the yeah. plant medicine. So that is fascinating. But for people who want to have other options and not feel like they're so woo-woo. They want to feel grounded and still have legitimate science behind it. Right. And not that those things don't have legitimacy behind it. They do. But this does too. And I feel like uh, the majority of people right now are questioning um, both ends of the spectrum and they're looking for that, that bridge. And I feel like you're the perfect person to exemplify that and to share with people how you can offer healing and effective changes in somebody's life who might suffer from anxiety or heart palpitations or um, any any kind of thing like that. Um, I, I don't know why heart stuff keeps coming up for me right now, but probably because you, I feel like you specialize in like the heart field and the field of the heart. Well, yes. And um, I mean, that's pretty much where we calibrate everything yeah. uh, initially. And you know, it's interesting to hear you call me a healer because even as you're saying that, Internally, I felt myself cringe, oh, yeah. right? Oh, like, yeah. I'm like, please don't yeah. say the H word. It's yeah. worse than the F word in yeah. my realm mm-hmm. because I don't identify with myself as a healer. Yeah. Um, and, and 
part of the reason is because of the stigma. And you know, mm-hmm. you could say, well, then I have a stigma around the stigma, but <laughs> but it's because um, because I am out in the in the quote real world, and yeah. I am I do consider myself a pretty normal um, functioning person who's pretty integrated mm-hmm. in all aspects of my life, yeah. and and. Um, you can put me kind of in any environment and I can create a bridge and a language mm-hmm. to reach people where they are. Mm-hmm. Where the term healer does for people who have no reference for for their own innate healing yeah. is it creates a shutdown. And it sort of implies mm-hmm. like, why am I sitting here in jeans? Where's, you know, where's my white muumu and my, you know, <laughs> my my meditation beads and um yeah. and, and 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 we've got to check out in order to check in. Mm-hmm. And so really my approach is it's a very integrative model which yeah. which recognizes the merits of all models, mm-hmm. whether it's the pharmaceutical industry, whether it's ayahuasca, mm-hmm. um, whether it's herbs whether it's exercise whether it's dieting or not diet like yeah. everything yeah. has its purpose yeah and 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 recognizing what what are we truly in integrity with what are we congruent with how do we pull from everything that is potentially useful and mm-hmm. create sort of a, a synthesis that can be customized and individualized because every single yeah. person is different so mm-hmm. from that standpoint yes I am a healer in that I activate people's own innate healing yes. but I am not like literally putting my hands yeah, on yeah, you yeah. and saying yeah. you know let there be light and yeah. suddenly your cancer's gone although that yeah. can occur yeah um, exactly. but not not yeah. not from the framework of how we think it happens mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's way deeper than that so that is interesting I do want to get into how, how deep it goes I have a different definition of healer, so I don't have that trigger. So, I mean, I call it a trigger, but maybe it doesn't feel like a trigger to me. It's just what it is, is it's not the way that I identify with myself. So if someone were to say, Mm -hmm. what do you do for a living? I wouldn't say I'm a healer right? because I don't identify that way with myself, even though you totally can. And it would be an accurate description of your experience Mm -hmm. of me. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that I relate to myself. So what would you uh, categorize yourself as? Melissa? Well, (laughs) so, but this is where it gets so tricky. Like, can you really put any person? into a category and this is this is where like getting your work out in the world can be so challenging because Mm -hmm. you have to choose a compartment because that's what the mind does it it delineates and compartmentalizes Uh, but I would say that I am um, I'm very adept at inspiring and empowering people to come into resonance with their own innate healing with their own power with Mm -hmm. their own joy and so I'm I'm like a catalyst in that Mm -hmm. standpoint where you know, one of the things I hear consistently from people is uh, they like who they are when they're with me. Yeah. Um, they feel better about themselves. And it's not because they're like charging off my battery yeah. or whatever. It's just that that I project a clear, coherent um, symmetry to them mm-hmm. that lets them begin to see themselves clearly. And that's where mm-hmm. healing happens. That's mm-hmm. kind of the physics of healing. And so, yeah. so I could be standing next to you, never mm-hmm. touch you, never mm-hmm. even say a word. Mm-hmm. And stuff starts reconfiguring because the information I'm transmitting mm-hmm. is the information that your field needs. That's interesting. Do you consciously do that? Um, yes, when I step into a healer, uh, <laughs> a client, yeah, a client healer uh, yeah. dynamic. Yeah. When I'm teaching, I'm consciously doing that for the entire um, for the entire mm-hmm. conference. Um, when I am just wanting to go to the grocery store mm-hmm. or going to the movies or right. cruising down Highway 101 looking yeah. at the sunset, yeah. I am not consciously trying to transmit coherent beams of light yeah. out to the traffic patterns. Right. I am it. 
Because you're so, so integrated with it. Well, yes, and so it's my state, I've embodied it, and yeah. then it simply becomes the way things are. And so mm -hmm. what tends to happen is I don't really have to try for things to change. They just, yeah. they, they begin to change mm -hmm. simply because that coherence is present. Okay. So it's not gotcha. like a deliberate mm -hmm. effort. It would be exhausting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, excuse me, yeah. I just want to get a bagel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, move aside. Coherence patterns running through everyone. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's no, at the heart, that's at the heart of what I teach yeah. people to do is how to embody that coherence yes. and and that physics of integrity mm -hmm. that maps equal service to self, equal service to others, mm -hmm. and then people begin to to recognize themselves as being empowered, as mm -hmm. having access to different options, yeah. to have the courage to make different choices, even if you don't know mm -hmm. what that's gonna mean for you moving forward. So what would be like the most basic thing that you would tell people to get them into coherence and get them into integrity? Well, probably the most basic thing I teach people to do is to consistently embody heart-centered awareness, to mm -hmm. allow themselves to experience being in the heart because when we allow ourselves to experience as an embodiment heart-centered awareness, right. then um, the kind of the programmed way of relating to ourselves, mm -hmm. our thought patterns, yeah. even our emotional triggers, if you will, yeah. they sort of fall away. Um, those are all perceptual filters. Okay. They're, they're schemas that we use in order to navigate through the world. They're, yeah. they're almost like masks that we put on and we're like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Amber Lee and I'm, I'm gonna launch a new project and I'm gonna be super hyper organized and I'm yeah. gonna have every detail perfect yeah. Yeah. before it, right? Yeah. That's the way you think you need to be mm -hmm. in order to um, it, it's a physics of force in order to mm -hmm. force your, your, your effort out into the world. Yes. Whereas heart-centered awareness, it's more a physics of finesse where, mm. um, where <clears throat> our thoughts, our sensations, our perceptions, our habituated way of navigating sort of drops, mm -hmm. I say, off with the filters and into yeah. the heart. And we connect to this part of ourselves that knows itself as already being whole, already mm -hmm. being complete, um, and kind of already being limitless. Yeah. And so it's almost moving into this space of no identity, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. of no compartmentalization, of no, no niche, and, yeah. and yet all possibilities become available simultaneously. So I guide people yeah. to experience that. It's kind of as easy as breathing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and, and I've shared this, I, I believe with you before that, you know, we don't think about breathing and yet it happens. Yeah. And yet in many ways we are we are not in our heart in our natural state, which is like breathing. We're sort of out of our hearts, ruminating about what happened in the past or what might happen in the future, planning something or um, being concerned about what's happening at the collective level. And it's like holding our breath perpetually. Mm -hmm. We become like fish out of water yeah. and then we navigate that way thinking it's normal. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why we have anxiety or yeah. we wonder why we're fearful. Yeah. Because we've left that natural state. Mm -hmm. And so embodying heart-centered awareness, it it's it's super easy, but it takes conscious effort to notice mm -hmm. when you're in your heart versus when you're out of your heart. And the minute you're out of your heart, you can come back in. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is it begins to um, recondition our field because mm -hmm. um, we have a field around us as well as fields within us. Everything yeah. is sort of like bubble. I think of everything as bubbles and spirals, yeah. fields within fields within fields. So that begins to reconfigure the geometry of our field mm -hmm. into a space of symmetry. And that's where healing happens. That's that's where possibilities yeah. become available. Mm -hmm. That's where we can get really clear on what choices we want to make moving forward. There's and, a whole physics to it. And sometimes it could look like meditating. Sometimes it could look like going on a hike. Sometimes it could look like just playing in general, getting out of your head and into your heart. 
but sometimes it doesn't require that, I feel. I absolutely I absolutely agree. It really doesn't require anything. It's our idea that it requires something. And it's yes. our idea that we need to do something that yes. we then fall into. It becomes like a ritual, mm -hmm. which is part mm -hmm. of why ayahuasca is so effective. It's the yeah. ritual behind it, right? right? Mm -hmm. that, that, that carries you into that altered state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Well, you could consider heart-centered awareness to be a form of altered an altered state of consciousness, but it's an altered state of consciousness that is actually our most natural state. Mm -hmm. And we've altered our awareness to um, hypnotize ourselves into being stressed or being yes. um, thinking we don't know what we need to do next right. or that we don't have the resources necessary in order to heal. So yes. we're sort of in an altered state consistently in everyday life. And what heart-centered awareness does is it brings us back to that natural state, which mm -hmm. is an altered state because it alters our sense of reality and mm -hmm. it alters our access to possibilities. That's and awesome. so for me, like my, I tell people I don't meditate, and yes. if you're offended by that, I'm, you know, I'm deeply sorry. But my my meditation, <laughs> you're not I, you really know, sorry. I, I run. I'm not sorry. I'm I'm, I'm unapologetically being honest yeah. because how often do we apologize for the choices that we're congruent with? Oh yeah. And oh, and yeah. and then we spend our whole life. Yes saying I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my meditation, if you will, is, you know, I run every day mm -hmm. and that's my one hour zen where I'm mm -hmm. actually, it's a moving meditation mm -hmm. because I can find stillness even amidst movement. Yes. And so to me, it's like a, it's a high achievers form of mm -hmm. meditation because, because I'm in motion and there's stimuli coming past me in every moment. I have to be aware of my environment or I face plant on the, on the concrete mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I, I, I have get a hit by a double decker or bus. I get hit by a bus, <laughs> but only when I really need one or, you know, I'm notorious. Yeah for falling running upstairs because I because I get so in an altered state when I'm running that I don't see the stairway there but basically um, you know you can access heart-centered awareness anywhere mm -hmm. and and once you realize this then you don't need the ritual you don't need the the 11 basic steps that I taught in my first book yeah. but then you know when you get to my fourth book yeah basically I share with everyone that there's as many different ways to experience being in the heart as there are mm -hmm. unique individuals and yeah. and it's almost easier to notice not being in the heart versus being in the heart mm. uh, because not being in the heart is going to take us out of our natural state we're not going to feel connected we're not going to feel expanded we're not going to feel peace we're not going to feel joy mm -hmm. and at the same time I also say you can be in your heart field and you can feel anger and yeah. you can feel fear and you mm -hmm. can feel the whole gamut of human emotions because this heart field is all inclusive yeah. it includes everything mm -hmm. it even includes ayahuasca and um, prescription pharmaceuticals oh, exactly. and I feel like that is the takeaway from from this is because people need to know how to reach resonance with what it is that they feel is going to work for them and it's going to be different for every single person absolutely and yeah. this is going to this is going to I'm going to say this slowly that yeah. <clears throat> the choices we make matter less than the degree of integrity and congruency we have with those choices right it's like your intention well it's it's more than intention so so it's about connection mm -hmm. so if we make a choice that we're not really connected to and congruent with yeah. that choice is separate from the power that enables that choice to actually manifest as an experience mm -hmm. and so um, if you're 100% congruent this is going to be discriminatory if you're 100% yeah percent congruent with smoking yeah you may actually not experience the detrimental effects that smoking oh I totally believe that yeah yeah like I don't totally believe it because I'm like no 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 let me show you the science right but I understand the physics of integrity mm. and I understand that when you are fully aligned with something it's that 
unity and that connection that empowers yeah. and gives it the volition to manifest as an experience. Yeah. So, uh, so for people who are at a crossroads, because I feel like all of my clients, and I'm sure you have clients as well, who want to make a change, they don't know which direction to go to, so they're turning to us to to guide them and, and help them make those decisions. What would be the best thing to to do for them to recognize when they're in resonance with something? Would it just be kind of like a crapshoot, like just play with, with a few things that come into their field and or their experience and, and choose those things until you know, it goes awry or it actually clicks and works or <laughs> hopefully nothing blows up. Right. Yeah. So, you know, interesting. I, I love your, your language and I think it isn't really a crapshoot because yeah. um, everything's <laughs> interconnected and there's so much synchronicity. And so yeah. I would, the first thing I would say to anyone and everyone mm -hmm. is, um, feeling stuck or uncertain is a perception and it's true when you're resonating with it. So yes. it's okay to be like, I have absolutely no clue how to move forward or how to get out of this entanglement mm -hmm. or this chaotic situation that's right. been created. And yet we always know. Yeah. We always know. And mm -hmm. so cl clearing away some of the energetic confusion around thinking we don't know. Um, mm -hmm. For example, when I was describing the story of um, getting hit by the bus and um, and how I was kind of in denial around yeah. my need to make a different choice, yeah. I knew I was done. Yeah. And yeah. yet I mm -hmm. threw up 150 different yeah. reasons of resistance for mm -hmm. why I wasn't going to make a different change. Yes. Those, those were all lies. Mm -hmm. Okay. They became true because I was resonating with them. Yeah. So I would say, yes you know and then and then I would say from from an embodied presence because truly heart-centered awareness is just being in your body mm -hmm. you know 99% of the time we're like out of our body um, ruminating yeah. over what happened or what yes. could happen we're mm -hmm. anywhere but here yeah and or on so, their phone or something oh yeah we are addicted to distractions yeah. and and that's you know part of what we're seeing happening at the collective is mm -hmm. is a result of that yeah. addiction to distractions mm -hmm. and so I would say bring it home first yeah bring it home into your body and then allow yourself to start running, I call them um, virtual reality scenarios in your holodeck. It sounds like a Star Trek episode, <laughs> but it's like start running these yeah. probabilities, um, okay. options, mm -hmm. right? And pay attention or play attention to mm -hmm. how your physiology and how your body and how your thoughts, sensations, and emotions respond mm -hmm. to those options because the body doesn't lie. Yeah. And so if you're thinking about, okay, well, gee, I'm, I really don't like my job and I'd like to make a different change, but I'm not really clear on what that would look like, we'll start mm -hmm. running some scenarios of what different job options would look like and then pay attention. Yeah. You know, do you feel, do you feel expanded? Do you feel excited? Mm -hmm. Do you feel, maybe you feel what you think is anxiety, mm -hmm. but it's actually the physiology of excitement with an interpretation of fear that's labeling it as anxiety. Yeah. And so pay attention to your body and learn to trust your body because our body is this amazing, powerful antenna for calibrating information. Yeah, definitely. And, and if you start from the premise that you do know, mm -hmm. even if you don't think that you do, yeah. um, there is a part of you that always knows. Mm, there is okay. a part of you that always knows yeah. what path to take and and realize you know our lives are very much like GPS's that if we mm -hmm. that if we take a path that um, steers us you know to the right and is you know 50 miles from the city we're trying to get to yeah. we will always redirect like mm -hmm. life is not linear it's a series of, of spirals yeah and so there's no wrong decision mm -hmm. um, you make the decision that feels the truest for you in the moment mm -hmm. with the freedom to recognize that might not feel true for you tomorrow and you can change your mind mm, if you have important. a change of heart
Yes. Like I, I know I encounter a lot with clients like the, the parade of the imagined terribles and I don't want to make a choice because <laughs> what if it's the wrong choice? And it's like, yeah. you know, not choosing is still a choice. Yeah. Right? And yeah. then you sit feeling paralyzed um, by indecision. Oh. oh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. And, and most of that analysis, I have a whole chapter on this uh, in my book, The Art of Limitless Living, that mm -hmm. just came out in April about... Yeah. What we consider analysis and logic mm -hmm. is not logical at all. It's mm. often fear cloaked as logic mm, based yes. on our schemas and our past experiences. So we think yes. we're being all logical and, and justifying mm. the way that we're navigating, but we're doing it through a very limited lens of awareness yeah. based on past experiences. We think, well, things were this way in the past, they're gonna be this way moving forward. And mm -hmm. that's a physics of predictability, but we're also a physics of possibility. Yeah. And, and the heart field brings in that physics of possibility beyond the way things have been encoded in the past so that we can take what's worked in the past, not abandon it altogether. If mm -hmm. the allopathic model or prescription pharmaceuticals has worked to some extent in the past, that's great. Mm -hmm. Let's integrate that with the physics of possibility, some new models, right. maybe some complementary healing mm -hmm. that could then allow for a new configuration to emerge that would be more powerful than either or. It's it's what I call and living. Mm. And that and is inclusive. Ooh, I like that. And living. And living. Never <laughs> anding possibilities. And don't get me started on the wordplay because I can go on and on. We could do a whole show on Amjoy's wordplay. <laughs> so do you think that, so for someone who has like eyesight trouble, there are certain things in our Western society in our realm that would say how to correct that which would really just be putting a band-aid on it you're not actually fixing it it would be so and when i say that i would say you know something like contacts or glasses or you know something could correct it by force which could be you know lasik surgery or, or something of that nature so for someone who wants to correct eyesight or or cataracts or something like that naturally would you say that playing could help you expand to the field of infinite potentials for that new information to come in that would show you, oh, wait, maybe this will help. And it doesn't look anything like what anyone's ever told you before, but you feel that it's right. Absolutely. Because when we are, when we are playing, we are, we are in this space, in this reality, if you will, yeah. where there's no agenda and yeah. there is no um, rigid uh, projection mm -hmm. in terms of the way reality needs to show up. So, okay. so the way reality truly is, it's kind of like the ocean. It's just, it's super fluid and, yeah. and it's a, it's a series of intersecting waves exchanging information. Mm -hmm. Well, when we go into the play state, which is naturally occurring when we go into the heart, then, then the way that we've historically encoded reality mm -hmm. becomes much more fluid. And when there is okay. fluidity, here we are back to going with the flow, well yes. then you've got this flow state and you've got all these other wave-based possibilities that become available. And so it might be that uh, just play itself can correct the cataracts. Um, or it might be that the play introduces a certain amount of here comes physics, dynamic yeah. disequilibrium yeah. into the pattern where cataract surgery mm -hmm. augmented with play gives an exponential benefit that might not have been 100% remission through the surgery alone. And so this yes. is why first I would ask someone, what are you truly congruent with? Yeah. Right? Because sometimes it'll be other people's ideas. They'll be like, well, I don't want to have surgery because someone told me it was, you know, really bad. And, yeah. you know, hospitals have entities or like they get this yeah. crazy <laughs> idea, right? Which could be true. Yeah. And at the same time, 
what are you truly in integrity with? Yeah. Um, you know, it, from a personal standpoint, uh, my stepfather um, had a, a diagnosis of a disease that was incurable, multiple oh. myeloma. Okay. And in in you know he's a, a aerospace engineer, PhD, oh, yeah. like built missiles, like super intelligent. Yeah. Um, but probably also knows that there are aliens, you know, yeah, like, yeah. For, you know, but he can't tell me because he has top secret clearance. Yeah. And so, you know, his wife, who is my mother, mm -hmm. super congruent with um, the allopathic model. They moved mm -hmm. from Southern California to Arizona to be closer to the Mayo Clinic so they could get into the best clinical study yeah. that is available. And, um, and you know, sh my mom just thinks doctors are the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. I used to like fall down um, on the sidewalk as a, a four-year-old and I'd get with the doctor. It's mm. probably why I got into the pharmaceutical right. industry because I would always go to the doctor for everything. Yeah. So basically, she's very congruent with that. So I worked with their congruency with mm -hmm. the traditional model of going through, uh, you know, the clinical research and following all trials. And I brought in the expanded states of consciousness that I play in for yeah. him. And um, they wanted to throw him out of the clinical trial because mm -hmm. his results were so positive that they were <laughs> skewing the data and they had no explanation for why he was doing so well. Yeah. He was in full remission, which is called a cure, but mm -hmm. in an incurable disease field, mm -hmm. you can't have remission. Mission. Mm. And so I would say that play brings in possibilities that aren't there when we approach reality with a rigid frame of reference. Because reality will conform to that rigidity. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah. you yourself decided, you know, when you're being really rigid about mm -hmm. things, things don't, they don't, they don't really play out the way that you intended. Because yeah. it's like putting a bracket on, you've got all this space mm -hmm. to play in and then you put a bracket and it's like, it's literally like having tunnel vision. Yeah. And even if it does play out exactly how you expect, sometimes I don't feel good about it even playing out. Do you feel out. like you forced it to happen? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it feels, it's like you can have this false sense of accomplishment, but at the same time, it's like, well, what did I miss out on? You know, all these other possibilities where when you do let go of that rigidity and you get into that state of flow and play, actual I call it magical things happen but I say it like that because it is something that you're not really expecting to experience but yet it elevates you and it lifts you and you feel so amazing during that flow that it does feel like a magical experience because you couldn't foresee it and because you were rigid you know if you're in the flow sometimes you can foresee it and and then you'll you'll go with it but that experience and want to drive home to people because we get so locked in our heads about what we think we should be doing because our best friend's doing it or a doctor told us to do it or an authority figure in general told us to do it and and also when you are in those rigid belief systems of everyone else around you and your own you're cutting off infinite possibilities for new information to come in that might be more I guess uh, all-encompassing and, and it feels very um, almost like a I, I don't know why I'm seeing sacred geometric patterns coming in well it's because it's a different geometry and yeah. and and what I was what I was getting ready to share is that you know as long as we're following uh, someone else's expectation or someone else's idea or someone else's suggestion yeah. we actually leave ourselves out of the equation and it creates mm -hmm. a different geometry that has actually it's a skewed geometry yeah which then 
plays out in our life in skewed ways. Mm -hmm. And so those kind of those, what you are describing as magical experiences, um, you know, magic and science are, are one and the same. You right. know, if you if you can find the explanation to, yeah. to, to justify what appears to be beyond explanation. Yeah. And so when we allow ourselves to be in that space of play mm -hmm. and we sort of acknowledge what other people have said, but we allow ourselves to kind of resonate with what really feels right, true, and correct for mm -hmm. us, that creates a geometry and a symmetry mm -hmm. that mirrors the exact same symmetry that, the, here it comes, that the universe mm -hmm. uses in order to create absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And that's a physics that's sustainable. Yeah. And so this is this is at the heart of why I teach people to, to trust themselves and yeah. to be empowered that you do already know and you want to take in other people's suggestions. I'm not mm -hmm. advocating being stubborn and putting your head in the sand, but yeah. it's, it's recognizing that that this is an option, this is an option, this is an option, but if you follow those options at the exclusion of connection to yourself, mm -hmm. those options will not have the same velocity and momentum yeah. that an option that you're truly congruent with will create for you. Mm -hmm. There are different geometries there. And some of what I teach in my advanced seminars is, is how to map those geometries and see the geometries. Because I can see them. Like I yeah. can work with a client on Skype and I can completely tell when they're telling me something that they want that they're not really congruent with. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, that's what you think you want. And they're yeah. like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, I can see the geometry. It's skewed. That's There's a symmetry when you're, when yeah. you're congruent. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and we're hardwired to feel it. And so mm -hmm. this is why anybody on this call or yeah. that's, that's participating in this um, can feel when someone's being integrous, mm -hmm. when someone's being authentic, because we're hardwired for that geometry. Yeah. Um, you can watch TV and tell when, well, it happens a lot, when a politician yeah. is lying. Yeah, right? <laughs> which is but, all the time. But now. part of the reason you can tell it is we are hardwired for that symmetry. I call yeah. it the physics of integrity. Mm -hmm. um, and it is an integrity of an unbroken, undivided connection within oneself. Now, it's yeah. really interesting because a politician can be lying, but be 100% congruent with that lie. Yes. And the physics will almost match symmetry, but there'll be a little mm. tweak in it. Yeah. So, so you can tell like, wow, that person really believes their alternate truth reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fascinating. Yeah. So there's there's many many layers to truth. Wow. And um, and that's the other thing. You know, it's the the field of allopathic medicine is it's it's true and it's useful and it has its place. Yeah. Even the field of you know ayahuasca has its place. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really if but if it's not right for you, mm -hmm. it's not right for you. Yeah. Exactly. And don't try to force it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that is it's so incredibly important to tell people at home because I feel like everyone takes in information from their friends and their family members and and even childhood beliefs come up for you and and all reading all these articles on the internet and I feel like more the internet you can always trust the internet yeah. and Facebook and Facebook everything on Facebook is true <laughs> yeah but really we're inundated with all of this information but I feel like now more than ever we can pick up on the fact that okay maybe it feels flat in some way and this could be you know if you're not able to see geometries you can still feel it and Absolutely. feel out of integrity with it and so I feel like it's getting harder and harder for people who everyone I feel like is becoming more sensitive to when something's out of alignment but they don't have the tools to really understand that and they don't have the tools to 
really get them into alignment with something that is going to be in, in resonance with them. So there's so much coming up for people. I know clients of mine have had random health things i say random, random right right <laughs> but very intentional health scares coming yeah. up and i feel like they need something that is going to get them out of out of their head and out of their patterns and it's so hard to get out of those patterns sometimes because healing i feel like has become arduous for people it's become difficult it's become hard people have been attaching to their dysfunctions and and attaching to this healing journey and i loved how what you said earlier it, it's kind of become a new religion in a way and that could be you know trigger some to to some people but well, it good. really is that, i mean yeah. that's great because that right. trigger becomes an opportunity right to take a look at where might you be too rigid in mm -hmm. your own way of relating to healing and yeah. and i absolutely agree there's almost this sub meme or program running through um healing communities like that healing takes time or mm -hmm. um you've got to do the deep work or the mm -hmm. shadow work um in yeah. order for um for something to transform and you know that can be true and yeah. also we are a physics of possibility and mm -hmm. something can transform in the very next moment yeah one is not better than the other mm -hmm. um they're just different they're very, very different. And, and healing doesn't need to be hard. I, you know, a lot of times people get so wrapped up in their, in their need to heal and their need to work on themselves that we become addicted to healing and needing mm -hmm. to work on ourselves. And we miss the most healing opportunities that are available in the everyday moments where yeah. a walk on the beach at sunset could heal your it could heal your field because yes. you're connecting to nature mm -hmm. and nature is reflecting back to you your own innate healing capabilities that which is sustainable and so mm -hmm. um, a lot of times people will miss out on opportunities because they need to focus on healing yeah or or they do heal and then they need to analyze why that happened for the next three years and they make mm -hmm. themselves sick analyzing how they healed yeah yeah <laughs> so I think we need more celebration we need more joy. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, I'm very um, committed to being practical. And um, not every experience feels joyful. Mm -hmm. And what's happening at the collective level feels really chaotic and it's messy and it's uncertain. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff coming up. And it's yeah. really it's really a holographic outloop of where we are personally. Mm -hmm. And so we can accept personal responsibility for embodying our own integrity mm -hmm. and then the excessive contrast that's happening will begin to reconfigure and so it kind of, it starts with us i know i see a lot of people going no i'm going to go out and i'm going to get involved and that's important but are you getting involved as a distraction from not taking a look at your own stuff mm -hmm. and uh, it's a little bit of both yeah because um, you can't have your head in the sand and say well i'm not going to be involved because i need to heal or i'm not going to be involved because it's all love and light or i'm not going to be involved because that's not my reality well we live in, a, in an interconnected interrelated reality if you're in pain it does affect my reality right so mm -hmm. you can't act like not my reality not my resonance because yes. you know it, it may not affect you directly right now but in the interconnected layer we're all affected by it mm -hmm. yeah i feel like everyone gets so attached to their belief systems in general like whether that's politics or healing or a sports team that they love you know and you can get so worked up over something that you're trying to cut off half of your energy flow when you say, I'm not that. People do get so worked up about politics, religion, belief systems, just 
any kind of belief system, I feel like you're cutting off half of your power when you are well, attaching to a belief. Anytime you say I am this or I'm not that, then whatever you are or not, like that's all that's all you have access to. This is why I sort of hesitated mm. when you asked me the question, well, how would you how would you describe yourself? And I'm like, yeah. well, if I say right. this, then right. I'm not that. <laughs> this is why I teach what I call integration You're because right. <laughs> because you can be you can be resonant with certain yeah. experiences and mm -hmm. recognize you are so much more than those experiences. Yeah. And um, and and then what ends up happening too is when we identify so strongly, you know, we're addicted to our belief systems. And none of them mm -hmm. are true. Right. Like none of our yeah. belief systems are yeah. true. Uh, when we identify so closely with certain belief systems, well, then we fail to see the humanity of any mm -hmm. other belief system. And mm -hmm. well, that's where we get war and that's where we get um, mm -hmm. famine and that's where we get oppression and that's where we get objectification and that's where we get all these larger prevailing fields that are coming up right now to reconfigure because they're not sustainable yeah. and they don't support us. Like in many ways we support structures that don't support us and that's what we're seeing at the collective right now is the reconfiguring of the structures we've been supporting that aren't really supporting us. There's not a symmetry there. Mm. So it's a huge opportunity. Like I'm super excited, yeah. which sounds terrible. And at the same time, I just traveled around the world and pretended I was Canadian because I got tired <laughs> of people asking me two, two questions I would consistently be asked. Why are you traveling alone? Yeah. And what do you think of your president? Yeah. And, and I got to, and basically I was just like, I just kind of gave the same answer because I yeah. can, yeah. right? Like I gave the same answer because I got so tired of it. And then I put a cover on my passport so no one would see I was from America. Yeah. Like I was American shamed. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, and, and yet at the same time, um, you know, having gone through Europe or, or Asia and Australia, uh, all of the countries are going through mass reconfiguring. You yeah. know, we just happen to be the best virtual reality TV show yeah. on right now. <laughs> We're on we stage. have the highest ratings. Yeah. <laughs> However, every country is going through a yeah. reconfiguring and kind of a mass identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I just I was like, all right, I'll choose a neutral country. And and I'm typically proud to be an American, but not for the yeah. reasons that most people are proud to be American. Yeah. I'm proud to be able to be free to speak yeah. what is my truth and free to travel to other countries and yeah. free to leave and come back. And yeah. and so uh, I think the world itself is up for an identity crisis. It's a healing crisis, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And it's not a crisis at all. It's an opportunity. I love that. But it is a reflection of what's going on internally with everyone on a microcosmic level. I feel like the the cosmic level and the the collective level is a reflection of everything like you mentioned before of what's going on in, inside of you and uh, all of those things outside of you can um, bring up those physiological symptoms and and those uh, that feeling state of not being totally in congruence or totally in your geometric pattern if you will yeah well one of the reasons <laughs> okay. that i teach um i call it the physics of hologramming yeah. is that um, the, the very the very nature of a hologram is mm -hmm. that if you change any access point in a holographic system, the whole system is affected. Okay, mm. well, we live in an interconnected, yeah. interrelated holographic universe. So, so what's happening at the collective is happening at the individual level. Yeah. What's happening at the individual level is happening collectively. Mm. The all is in the small, and the small is in the all. There really is no out there, out there. It's all interconnected, interrelated. And right. so, if you have someone that say is um, is having eyesight issues, if mm -hmm. you will. Uh, I would say, all right, they're congruent with, uh, you know, glaucoma surgery or uh, or maybe intravitreal injections or whatever. And let's take a look at the metaphysical 
components of the life that is interconnected and what are you not seeing that's right in front of you that perhaps you want to see a little bit more clearly and you've kind of developed a filter that's preventing you from really being able to coherently absorb what's happening. Mm -hmm. now, I, um, I used to work in, um, in ophthalmology, it was one of my last uh, specialties, and, um, and um, brought a drug to market for macular degeneration. Mm. Macular degeneration is a fascinating disease and, and, and my heart goes out to anyone yes. that has it, but mm -hmm. at, a, at a kind of a metaphysical level, it's very, very fascinating because one of the symptoms um, that occurs, the most characteristic symptom, mm -hmm. is that um, you you maintain your peripheral vision, but you lose your central vision. And mm -hmm. so if I were looking at you yeah. as a loved one, perhaps mm -hmm. you're my partner or mm -hmm. my children, yeah. I could not see your face. I could only see sort of the outlying oh. characteristics, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so in many cases, there is a metaphysical component to the underlying etiology of the disease, mm -hmm. not necessarily the manifestation of the full-fledged condition where yeah. the, you know, the, the, there's a deterioration in the eye. Yeah but there's always a metaphysical component. Mm -hmm. And so I would play and toggle with that component of the pattern as well as the physical pattern because mm -hmm. a lot of times the physical is the last one to get the memo. And yeah. um, if you change the metaphysical in the same way that if you change here, it affects out here. If you change out here, it affects here. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna have a reciprocal benefit at all layers of the pattern. Yeah. Because the all isn't the small. This is mm -hmm. why this is why the physics is so key to the work that I do because mm -hmm. it's woven through every application, whether I'm teaching yeah. a seminar, working with a client, talking to people on a mm -hmm. webcast. Yeah. And I I love working with metaphysics, so I just define it for people as just working with the energy beyond the five senses of perception. Uh, it's just like a watered down way of the way that I say it, because it, it is something like maybe, uh, you know, a CEO of a company has a blockage in an artery in his heart and he is looking for a cure, but he doesn't want to have a heart surgery, open heart or bypass surgery. It's it is working with the the subtleties of the the metaphysical component and the the energies behind everything and you know even though that can take you down a rabbit hole and you can almost get attached to okay well let's go through all the traumas I've had in my life you know I had this trauma and that trauma that's great but someone could have experienced the same exact traumas and have a different physical manifestation right a different symptom and they could have you know muscular degeneration or something so they really I feel like need to just get in that coherent state and the way that that looks i feel like it's going to look different for everyone i feel like that might be something that it might be starting out small where he uh, you know even though a ceo might be opposed to this but even just journaling you know or listening to music going outside and taking walks in nature doing you know a juice cleanse and things that could be little access points that they feel like they're in resonance with to start shifting that and or sometimes it might be the surgery but if he's in that state of fear he can't see those possibilities because he only sees one because of his world around him so for people who are in that state of fear what would you say would be the best thing to to get them out of fear well i would say fear is really complex and we sort mm. of we sort of give it this uniform description and we say fear and as though fear for everyone is the same okay. and so i would approach 
your fear yeah. differently than I might approach the fear of a CEO yeah. of, uh-huh. of a you know nor, of a traditional company. Yeah. Um, so I would actually unpack the fear pattern and take mm-hmm. a look at that because mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of complexities to that. Um, one of the things mm-hmm. that people often want is is they want results. Yeah. And so and they want um, results that are consistent mm-hmm. and sustainable. Yeah. And so I would look to provide for a shift in their state real time during the session. Mm-hmm. And then I would give uh, playful assignments for them to mm-hmm. then anchor in that new state moving forward. So okay. like if we're in a session, yeah. um, I probably wouldn't be like, all right, so now I want you to go get in your car and drive to the beach and we're going to, we're going to take a straight. Right. So, yeah, cause, yeah. because that's not going to, that's not going to give them the access. It'll give them an access point as a future reference, yes. but it's not going to necessarily map them to mm-hmm. a state where they feel like those options even seem viable. Yes. How many times do we give a suggestion to someone and they, they poo poo it? Cause they're like, yeah. that's not gonna flip and help, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, I could have told myself that. You mean I'm paying you yeah. X number of dollars for yeah. you to tell me to go take a hike? Yeah, like, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. And so being able to, to map for them mm-hmm. um, what the fear represents because holographically, all fear is love of something deeper. Mm-hmm. And right. so within that fear is a seed of something that they truly authentically desire. Mm-hmm. And being able to open that seed up and let it kind of blossom in the field, and now I'm talking total metaphysical, metaphorical, <laughs> but, but that's actually what it looks yeah. like, um, can allow for what they desire to become bigger than that fear that feels like it's an obstruction in their field. Mm-hmm. And so it's you could say acknowledging the fear, it's super useful. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the acknowledgement and in the witnessing, it begins to reconfigure, mm-hmm. but a allowing for what that fear ultimately represents mm-hmm. is going to be way more useful than trying to cut the fear out or clear the fear or yeah. cut the cord where the fear was, you know, encoded, you know, three generations back, like yeah. all these rituals that we do. And it's yeah. like, no, like that fear can be a gift. Okay. That Great. fear can be a gift yeah. that holds a presence of what we authentically desire and and that can be enough for the physiology to begin to change. Mm-hmm. Um, even recognizing because like we we are we are shamed yeah. around our fears, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, Particularly yeah, yeah. people that work on themselves a yeah. lot, you know, yeah. you're not you're you don't have to be fearless. I went yeah. on my round the world trip, I had so many fears. Yeah. But my desire to go was way bigger than mm-hmm. the fears that might have held me back. Mm-hmm. And so and little by little, each time I made a different choice, each time I stepped into an uncertain possibility state, um, those fears would fall away. Yeah. And so it almost happens organically. Mm-hmm. So I would say explore your fears, become curious about them without judging. Um, at the physics level, when we judge our fears or when we try to cloak our fears, that encodes for a rigidity of consciousness. It becomes like mm-hmm. um, a, a frozen nodal point. Yeah. And, and then stuff doesn't change and then we feel stuck and we're like, mm-hmm. well, it's because we're sitting in molasses of our fear. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. becoming curious and playful and, and allowing the fear to open up to mm-hmm. see what it really, really represents energetically, but it's really informationally, Mm -hmm. um, can allow for the pattern itself to to naturally reconfigure. And a lot of times too, this is tricky, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's the expectation of the fear rather than the fear itself. Mm -hmm. Where people think, oh, I'm afraid 
because of this. And it's like, no, that's just a program you've been running for like mm -hmm. three years. You haven't really even had that fear. That fear is not even yours, mm -hmm. but you're just running the program. And then getting clear, oh, it's just a program I'm running, yes. like a, a sitcom that I've watched over and over again on my yeah. outdated VCR. <laughs> and then you tap them into their unlimited satellite receiver with infinite yeah. informational channels called yeah. the field of the heart and intuition. Well, suddenly they're on a different program, different channel, mm -hmm. different experience. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when I have, you know, something going on physically, I'll run through scenarios just to uh, kind of play out what I feel open. So if I have a fear about something, say it is, you know, traveling or, or going to a doctor, a Western medical doctor or something, if I surrender and say, okay, so what if I did that thing? Instead of just being like, no, 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 I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. If I say, so what if I did that thing and drop the fear pattern, it's or integrate the fear pattern, it feels like more. It just becomes a simple choice of, mm, I don't think I'm in resonance with that. And you look at something else. It's not this, no, like don't tell me to go to this. I'm not gonna do that, I'm not gonna do that. And sometimes it might be like, you know what? That might be useful. I might play with it a little bit more and see what comes of it. But I feel like people have a fear of of exploring their fears <laughs> even or integrating their fears so i feel like that is like a simple stepping point or or a segue into feeling what is actually in resonance with them versus being clouded or or, or filtered by that fear what we usually do is we store our fears around us almost like like tree rings and so mm -hmm. where the integration of the fear particularly into the field of the heart does is it takes this distinct expression, mm -hmm. uh, this frozen music, if you will, this, this frozen encoded informational grid, and, and it kind of thaws it out and it allows it to recycle into information as potential and then mm -hmm. it can express as something different. But as long mm -hmm. as it's held as a, as a fear, it becomes a rigid configuration in our field and it doesn't have the freedom, flexibility, or breathing room to change. Oh, and that's where integration can be really helpful. But yeah. typically people initially will be like, what do you mean you want me to integrate my fear? I want to push it as far away from me as right. possible. And right. so this is why I teach, I will teach the physics because pushing it further away from you, well, there's really no time or distance. Like it's yeah. not going to, it's not going to move you out of resonance yeah. with it because you're actually in stronger resonance with it because you're creating this, this vortex of deflection. Mm. And so integrating it actually puts it into this space where all possibilities become available simultaneously. Yes. That's where you have the most power to choose something different. Mm. Yeah, it feels almost like it transforms from fear into love and a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and this is where I was almost hesitant to say, you know, all, all fear is love of something deeper mm -hmm. because then it depends on your ideas around love too, oh, well, right? True. And yeah, your ideas yeah. around fear because yeah. uh, because the love that I am referring to that is the interconnected, um, diverse tapestry that's woven through yes. everything, that's impersonal. Yes. It's not I love you, it's yeah, not warm no. and fuzzy, right. it's just connection. Yes, yes. So what mm -hmm. it does at the physics level is it, trans it transfers it or transforms it from separation and disconnection mm -hmm. to integration as connection and when yes. it's integrated as connection well that connection is that that's our source of true authentic power and that's where mm -hmm. it can change yeah we think we need to get rid of the stuff we want to get rid of but integration is actually the the way to freedom yeah definitely. and integration isn't even really the right word i want to come up with a better word 
there's a better word because like my seminar is called the MJoy Integrative, and uh, it, but there's all these references around what integration means. And, you mm. know, when we had segregation, and then people think so, like what are you like bringing people together? It's it's more than that. It's it's realizing that any pattern that we siphon off in our reality um, and segregate in an attempt to get rid of actually has more power over us, and that mm. integration is what restores the coherence because we're no longer trying to. It changes the geometry when you're trying to like cut it out or remove it or shunt it. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Let me know if you come up with a better word for it. Well, I will come up with a better word for it. I'm (laughs) working on it now. (laughs) Good. For people listening, do you have uh, personal sessions that you offer? Do you have uh, conferences? Do you have books? I do, uh, since you asked. Yes. (laughs) So my uh, website is www.mjoyheartfield.com, and that's spelled www.mjoy, for my name, Uh H-E-A-R-T-F-I-E-L-D.com. Awesome. I do offer private sessions. Um, I have a limited number of private sessions just because I'm also very active um, teaching seminars and writing books. Um, I offer seminars around the world in various Mm -hmm. countries. Uh, MJOY Integrative, I also have a really powerful MJOY Women's Seminar, which I love teaching. And I also teach webinars every month um, Mm -hmm. that are open to everyone, whether you've attended a seminar or not. Um, I have four published books that are available on print, Kindle, and also audiobook, all lovingly narrated by the author and have been transferred, translated into Polish, Italian, German, Russian, so multilingual. Wow. And um, just lots of different access points for gaining uh, an embodiment of the work that, that I do. Not everyone mm-hmm. wants to come to a seminar, although it's really fun. Yeah. Um, you can get the information from books, although every, every experience is different. Like what yeah. you'll get in a book or on a webinar is not gonna be the same as a live seminar. Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. And then there was something else I was going to ask you about. Um, just slipped my mind. So the sessions. Oh, okay. Um, that was it. <laughs> okay. The sessions Intuitive. are, um, I offer sessions by <laughs> Skype or telephone. And um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're roughly 45 minutes and okay. they're just, um, they're open to anyone. So basically what that means is if you're looking to heal a physical pattern, that's certainly yeah. um, available, although I don't use the word healing. I'll yeah. talk about transforming conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but they're also really, really useful for getting clear, mm-hmm. um, for reclaiming your power, for um, dropping the filters and kind of your um, sense of the way you think you need to navigate in the world. And I use a lot of different strategies um, to employ that physics of integrity that mm-hmm. allows for patterns to change. So every session is different, and, yeah. and I tailor the session to the unique needs of of the client yeah. and that so as a result I have a lot of clients that come regularly every month and mm-hmm. you know we might have started off working on physical conditions and now we're you know working on making a multi-million dollar business yeah. and so the focus has shifted um, well I love working with clients that want physical healing yeah. um, it's really beautiful when we're able to move out of that and focus on manifesting what we want and not mm-hmm. what we don't want Mm, that's really interesting I didn't know that you did that I do Ooh, I like that that that's that's so awesome. It's that's fun. Really, yeah. It's really fun. Oh, okay. I love my I love my private sessions. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I really do. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? I would just add particularly if you're like this is the first time listening to Ask Amberly, your first mm-hmm. time meeting Melissa Joy, I would say that honor and acknowledge whatever experience you're having. So mm-hmm. much of what our struggle is is in the denial of 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 honoring ourselves and seeing ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and then we also have this core desire to be authentically seen by others. And so yeah. I would say really acknowledge 
what you're feeling as being valid. Stop trying to dismiss it or poo-poo it. And then yeah. be empowered to make some different choices and to make change because you yeah. are not stuck. Yeah. Um, you may perceive yourself to be stuck and it can feel very real, but we are never, ever, ever stuck. There mm -hmm. are always options as possibilities available and reach out for help. And realize too, just by listening to this podcast, your patterns changed. Um, words mm -hmm. are carrier waves for transformation. I don't ever yeah. say anything without the intention for it to, um, to not support healing. So everything can support healing and transformation. You might heal just by listening to Ask Amber Lee three or four times, or maybe yeah. even just once. Yeah, definitely. I love that you said that because that was the other, that was the last thing that I was going to add actually. So you brought it home, sister. <laughs> you're so good at that though, because you're so obviously connected and intuitive and just coherent. Well, thank you. So. And, and I will say you are the same. And, and oh. we all actually are. It's just some of us recognize it more than others. And yeah. the more we can acknowledge when we see it in other people, the more people begin to see it in themselves. So That's true. I acknowledge you without being like all namaste and yeah. om and, you know, <laughs> I just, I, I see you and, um, and I support you 100% and love thank the work you. that you're doing. And Aww. I love this new podcast and let's thank make you. this the really really successful yeah thank you so much i appreciate you so much seriously you're you're just so amazing you you will always have a special place in my heart always that sounds like yeah. you just broke up with me <laughs> uh, i'll always remember you you're my first love you introduced me to healing you're, you're always going to be special you're my first yeah. <laughs> <I'm> goodbye like, <laughs> yeah. however it's, it's time to move on <laughs> no i know what you mean yeah yeah it's like okay and goodbye forever now <laughs> No, always will always will always be. In we'll each always be together. Of course, yeah, because we're a, a reflection of each other in the holographic universe and all that woo woo stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yay! Super. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Melissa Joy Johnson is definitely one of a kind. So if you'd like more information on Melissa, you can go to www.mjoyheartfield.com. If you'd like to book a private session with me, sponsor an episode, or join the Ask Amberly Podcast Club for this episode's exclusive energy healing download, you can go to www.askamberly.com. You can also email me at askamberly at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram for more free health information at Dr. Amberly Carter.